0: Welcome back to Operator Syndrome. Uh, here today, talking with David again, who uh, you'll remember from previous episodes, talking about his experiences uh, as a Marine infantryman and as a reconnaissance man. Um, so, uh, Steve was Steve was doing those episodes. Um, they were great. I think there were two of them. And then later on, uh, as we were profusely thanking David for for coming on, for leading the way, and uh, sharing his experiences, you know, I was thinking about how um, towards the end of those episodes, uh, David, you'd mentioned how you got into contracting, and contracting, especially within the last you know twenty years, was one of those big things that was out there. You know, as a part of the conflicts, and I don't know that that contracting had, you know, as much of an impact or had as much of a a part of the story in other conflicts that that I know over that I've heard of. Um, but everyone's heard anyone who had been around and awake for the last twenty some odd years knew about the good the good and the bad things that were out in the news. Um, everyone heard about Blackwater. You know, everyone. Everyone saw 13 hours. So there was a lot of stuff out there. And then for 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 folks like you and me who uh, came from communities where a lot of folks would end up leaving active duty and going going out and pursuing contracting, um, it was sort of always out there as an option, an option that, that wasn't open to other folks. So I thought it'd be great to, well, Stephen, I thought it'd be great to bring you back on just to talk about that experience because that's a part of that's a big part of the GWAT too so we appreciate you coming back
1: thank you for having me back yeah
0: it's so um so I guess the place to begin is uh you, you'd mentioned it before you you've done you are done your, your time in the Marine Corps again inf- infantrymen is that that's correct infantry yep and I know within the infantry there are different specialties we're were you like just like a line dog rifleman, or did you have a specialty within that?
1: Yeah, so I was an 0351, so infantry assaultman. Okay, yeah, it's a little bit more technical than your uh, standard rifleman. So uh, I mean, we had a uh, training in explosives and rocket fired uh, weapons. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're just like breachers and anti tank uh, um, infantrymen.
0: Okay, yeah, that's right. All right, this is this is. I'm I'm remembering this now. Um, that's pretty cool. Those those specialties. Uh, on it sounded
1: cool. It, it sounded <laughs> cool. I mean, that's why I got into it. But I did none of that.
0: Yeah, none, none none of it.
1: Of it? My first deployment, I was like a. I was basically a rifleman.
0: So, yeah. Well, that's the way it goes. But um, at least you had at least the the uh, the potential was there to use. Yeah. Any, to use any of the cool stuff.
1: It was there, but it also kept me from getting promoted. There's such a small mos so uh i had a hard time getting promoted because in the marine corps you have what's called line scores mm-hmm. and you have to meet a specific uh score in order to get promoted at least to corporal so i spent basically my entire enlistment as a lance corporal mm-hmm. it was, as, as an e3 so it, it it sucked um to me it wasn't it wasn't a very good a viable mos that you could have to have a career out that that's sense, not,
0: so. and that's not all that uncommon, correct? Like for for folks to do a for at least a first contract as a, a Lance Corps, an E3, isn't that right? Yeah, as an infantryman.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not uncommon. I mean, there's a lot of good Marines that never got promoted. Um, they either left the Marine Corps as an E3 or they agree enlisted and that boosted the score up and it got promoted that way. Um I I had the I had this perception of myself that I was a good enough marine to at least get meritoriously promoted. Um, I guess I was just lying to myself the whole time because I never even recommended for the board. Hmm. Um, it was kind of demoralizing, but uh, yeah, uh, then yeah I, but I picked a corporal when I reenlisted. So
0: the, uh, the the meritorious thing is interesting to I me. Mean, first off, in terms of like you know, in terms of like some of the selling points of the army, you know, we we you can come in. You can come in as an E4 off the street, right? If you yeah. have the right mix of education, experience, right. whatever you do, and then yeah. it, like everybody in the army is basically an E4. So it's it 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 sucks that um, you could have experienced infantrymen who are sitting at E3. And and listen, it's about serving your country. You and I know that. Most folks know that. But it's it is tough. Like people do have bills to pay, and and that and that's going to have to factor in your decision at a certain point here as well when we're talking about contracting or at least for those of us who had entertained contracting it was something that was a that was that was obviously a consideration but like um yeah it, it's it's kind of it's kind of unfair life isn't fair but it's kind of messed up actually you know that, that you'll have experienced dudes especially in the time when there are lots of deployments deploying you know doing all kinds of good stuff serving their country and just because you know align scores or this or that and you've got folks who are sitting at e3 that just doesn't sit right with me um and yeah you
1: gotta make the best out of it you know um you can either be disgruntled or you can keep a positive attitude and just go from there
0: what do you think most people do
1: most people get uh have a pissy attitude about it yeah um which i understand but uh uh, you know, is this the it's the way it is, you know. It, right. these are, most of them get disgruntled and they just look forward to leaving the Marine Corps. And mm-hmm. Marine Corps is a good organization. I, I love the Marine Corps. I mean, it had its ups and downs, but it, it it has potential for being way better than what I experienced. I don't know how it is now, but um I've I've met quite a few good Marines uh that just wanted to cut the Marine Corps loose. They didn't want to stay in and they were just short timers and they said, well, one of is good enough and it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. And You know, the Marine Corps, I think, in my opinion, I think the Marine Corps lost, you know, quality Marines, you know, but you know, I mean, I kept, I kept the positive attitude and just did the best I could and it, it worked out for me in the end. But I, I discussed with Steve, you know, Steve asked me, why'd you get out, you know, and we're, you know, talking about contracting. That's basically what, what it was mm-hmm. that caused me to make a decision to leave the Marine Corps you now. So,
0: so talk about, talk about how it came up as an option. It, first off contracting, this was something you were aware of while you're on active duty, right? Yeah, I was,
1: um, One, I had some friends that uh, left the Marine Corps in the reconnaissance community and they ended up uh, getting into the contracting world. And that's how I learned more about it. But yeah, even when I was in the infantry, I've heard about, you know, triple canopy. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I learned about triple canopy because my second enlistment, I volunteered to uh, be part of a PSD team, which is your protective security detail. Mm -hmm. And um, I was so desperate to leave my battalion because you know, we just we didn't. In my opinion, we didn't have very good leadership there, and mm. there was a, an option where you could volunteer and deploy with the, the regiment, First Marine Regiment, because they were deployed in Fallujah in two thousand eight. So I was deployed. My first deployment was in Misawa, um, in two thousand seven, and uh, I volunteered. I was like, well, why not? I give it a shot. I volunteered, and I was a, I was selected. They say, hey, yeah, you're you're deploying. So I basically backed it back to back appointments. Mm. So I got a, I left one four. I got assigned to First Marine Regiment. Um, was back in Camp Pendleton for like three months, I think, three or four months. But during that time, we we're there. Um, I was assigned to the PSD team, which is a bunch of uh, infantry Marines, um, and they were from different battalions. Mm-hmm. Um, and our training workup was. Uh, triple kennedy they came over they came down to camp Ellen and they trained us on wips basically it was wips stuff that i did when i was with the state department that was my okay. first exposure to that and that's what kind of got my gears turning a little bit
0: um and uh for for the for the for the listeners but also for me what is what is wips
1: so wips stands for uh worldwide protective services okay yeah and it's a State Department program. And basically, it's executive protection, mm. secret service, you know, style protection with the president, um, close protection. And so they taught us some of that stuff. And, yeah, um, that, that was my first exposure. Thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of the instructors were uh, prior um, Special Forces. I thought it was great training. It was training it was, to me it was exotic training. It was training that I was never exposed to right. So we did a lot of uh, um, SUTs, small unit tactics. okay um, Just a lot of to me was unconventional type of um techniques as you know as as opposed to just your standard infantry training.
0: right. sure.
1: knowledge. yeah. so I thought it was great training.
0: Okay, and 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 this was and you were uh as a on that PSD detail the protective detail um with the regiment what um who were you going to be protecting during that deployment was it I mean the regimental commander I assume but were there other folks as well?
1: Yeah, so um originally our our mission was to provide PSD protect you know personal protection for the regimental commander and sergeant major. Okay, but we had enough people where we could split up in two teams. So I was part of the team that was uh protecting DOD civilians iraqi businessmen um uh I was had was not involved at all with the regimental on PSD team at all that was another team so I thought we were, I thought it was a lot cooler for us to uh, be part of that team so it was called epert okay. and I have no idea what that stands for
0: but okay
1: but we we uh our mission set was a lot broader so we're on a road a lot more than the regimental PSD team. Okay. So, and we're, we're, we're around a lot of civilians. So
0: <laughs> uh,
1: provincial reconstruction team. So we took them a lot, all a lot. Um, we had a group out there that was actually trying to um, work with the Iraq the local nationals out there to rebuild their, their towns. So we, we escorted them a lot. It was a good, it was a very good deployment. I loved that deployment. It was a year long from 08 to 09 no kidding compared to the my first appointment it was almost like a vacation
0: okay well it was a very good appointment. yeah so it sounds like you know more more interesting or different work if you were starting yeah. to get if the if the old infantry stuff was getting a little old which i could 100% understand how that could how that could happen um meeting interesting people um and then and then clearly um, setting you up for success and in an, a relatively easy transition into the contracting world I mean that that had to have been um, at that point you got the resume as opposed to you know like a line dog who's trying to make the case for why you know they should they should they should be accepted into you know a contract position. I mean you spent a yeah. year doing the job so um, were did you that transition so it's folks you knew, uh, folks you had worked with, uh, on the, on the Marine side, had you made contacts, um, you know, while you were doing the protective detail stuff, had you networked and made contacts with folks that also helped in that transition or was it just your, your old buddies who, who had to connect?
1: So, no, I haven't made any contacts. Um, those instructors from triple canopy after the training was over, they handed us their business cards. Hey, you know, if you decide to leave the Marine Corps, give us a call. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have never done it. Um, oh, okay. It was only after I left my, towards the end of my second enlistment, um, I started to really think about it, but you brought up a good point though, um, that, that experience in itself, to serve, just the point one year and, and having that background in PSD, um, would be sufficient enough for somebody to get involved in the WIPs program because their requirement is like one year, um, combat deployment, mm-hmm. preferably combat arms. Mm -hmm. and um to have some kind of uh some kind of involvement with psd work because in order to get hired with a a whips program you have to write a bio of yourself it's basically a synopsis uh, or a narrative of what you have done throughout your deployment and there you have to be really specific because um they they want details exactly what you've done and that would be sufficient enough um Mm. So that that was a very good point, but yeah, I haven't made any contacts. Um, it definitely planted a seed for me to get involved in the contracting because it's the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. But when I when I got involved in reconnaissance, um, you know, uh, my my focus was more on you know becoming a good recon marine. Mm-hmm. And you know, at at that time. I was career oriented. So I was thinking of making a career of, of the Marine Corps while, while in recon. And it was only when some of my friends that left recon and went into contracting that um, I started to think heavily on getting involved in contracting.
0: So, so what, what would, you know, when you were looking at the fork in the road, you're looking at, okay, I, I like doing the recon thing. I love the Marine Corps. I could see myself potentially doing this. On the other hand, you've got this contracting thing. I just spent a year basically doing it as 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 far as you knew at that time. You're like, and that was pretty cool too. In terms of we're about to get into what you did and you chose contracting, but from the 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 active duty side, what what did that path look like for you? And I'm interested because I at one point I was and at one point Steve as well. You know, we're all faced with that moment of, of, if I stayed in, here's what that might look like. So, um, you know, on the Army side, you know, in the Ranger Regiment, you could go to selection, right, for um, for, for for certain units. Um, you could go that path, or you could say, okay, maybe I end up being, like, a conventional, you know, senior non-commissioned officer. Maybe one day I'm, like... Uh, you know, a division, you know, a division or a command, you know, sergeant major, maybe that's what my path is. And since I've been out, that's what it looks like most people did. It was kind of, that was kind of like the fork in the road and what was the, what the options were. What would, as a, as a reconnaissance Marine who's potentially considering a career, what did the paths look like for you on active duty?
1: Yeah. Um, great question. Um, for me, you know, sticking in, so the recon, program is a, a career that you can actually stay in back in the days um, you go to recon and then you get histed to uh, either joint instructor or recruiter. Mm. So they actually take you out of the community and you go, you know, be a joint instructor or recruiter. So that actually takes you away from training from, you know, time that you can spend training uh, to be more proficient. But now nowadays uh, you can just stay in recon and just, uh, work up your way um into the the leadership level um i don't know it's uh it's kind of hard to explain um i, I was on a linear list to pick up staff sergeant so i mm-hmm. definitely would have picked up, uh, become an e6 um uh, my my old man thought it was an irresponsible decision i made mm-hmm. Uh, and i guess i kind of agree with him because <laughs> and my, my attitude at the time is just that you know just wanted, wanted to deploy and do something with my skills, I guess. So, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I don't, I guess I didn't think far ahead enough of what I was going to do in recon. If I did Mm re-enlist, um, that's definitely something that would stick around. Right. And Mm -hmm. just make it a career definitely would have gone to more training. Uh, they send, uh, they send a lot of guys to ranger school.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, that's something for some reason. That's something that they really emphasize. that it's, it's something that I wouldn't want to do. Yeah, given that my uh, my age and I was in my mid thirties at that point. Sure. Um, had no desire to go to Ranger
0: School. I didn't want to go either. I I, I didn't want to go either. when I was eighteen or whatever I was. I also didn't want to go, so I can understand that. Yeah, you know, I
1: mean, you don't want to go, but I mean, it's for you, as you're a ranger. So, right. Yeah, yeah it's one of the,
0: yeah, it's one of those sticking points. You hate that you have to do that. Just like, you know, as, as if you're a, a recon dude, I, I I assume there's a lot of swimming involved. And it's like, ah, eh, maybe I don't care for it, but I got to do it. Actually, my yeah. ranger buddy was, uh, he wasn't a, well, I guess maybe the, the career fields combined at some point. I, I don't know the Marine Corps very well, but he was a Marine Corps scout sniper. His name was uh, Guevara. And I never knew what happened to him after that. He gave me a ride back home from Ranger school graduation. And then we lost touch. It was like, this was like 2007 when you used to do that, you'd like lose touch with someone you never hear about him again, but yeah, he was a cool guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he was. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's something that they emphasize Um, if you want to have a successful career in the reconnaissance community, Ranger school is one of them. Mm. So I think that was a factor. So I gave it some heavy thought my age, I wasn't getting any younger. I wasn't a spring chicken anymore. I'm obviously in my mid-30s, mm-hmm. and you're competing with I'm competing with guys a lot younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And as you know, like being part of the soft community, um either uphold the standards or you cannot. You can't then move up, get out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same, it's the same with recon. And um, so I, it, all these factors coming in. I'm making these decisions. Should I stay in? I definitely didn't want to. Go back to the regular infantry after being exposed to recon and doing it. I mean, there's no way I wanted to be a
0: right. an
1: infantry. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I'm thinking about my career. I'm thinking about making you know uh, more money. So risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was cultivated by uh, by my friends that went into recon. And yet, you know, give me, they're they're retired, so they have a steady source of income anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're just doing it as a, something as a side hobby or whatever it is their their right. reasons work, But um, uh, I made that decision. So mentioned the fork in a road, I decided to go right to the left or whatever way, but. Yeah, I made the decision to be, uh to, to go into contracting. Then that's that's what I did.
0: And the uh, and so the organ is the uh, the company ended up being it, it was Triple Canopy.
1: So um it was Triple Canopy. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried getting so my friends got into a uh, the they were G, G- R S contractors, global response staff.
0: Okay. So I a
1: Contract with the CIA. Um, they were doing that, but they weren't looking for anybody at that. At that time, I applied. Um, it was with the SOC. Okay. And I was, and I didn't get a response. So I applied to Triple Canopy. Actually, yeah. I sent my application out to a lot of. It was Triple Canopy. Um, what was the other one? It's they got bought out by another company now. But um, anyway, so I it wasn't just Triple Canopy. It was other companies. Right. And Triple Canopy called me.
0: Okay. And
1: so I started the process with them. And it's kind of a lengthy process, because like I said uh, before, you have to write a narrative of your experience. And um, honestly, I didn't think it would have troubles because one, one for my um, PSD background and then reconnaissance.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
1: So no no trouble whatsoever. Um, I did have the background already. Um, and then you have your physical. So there is an extensive physical um, that you have to go through. Um, uh, they're, they're actually, they're really thorough. Um, they do EKGs, uh, you go on a, um, stress, uh, you, where you run on the treadmill, mm-hmm. uh, um, hearing vision, which wasn't a problem to me. I mean, I, I was still relatively healthy back then. Um, mm-hmm. then you have, uh, your, your PFT, mm-hmm. which is based off the Fletsi PFT. So Fletsi is your, your federal law enforcement training center. Mm-hmm. In Georgia, so they base they base their standards their as far as the PFT based off the PLETSI program, which is a mile and a half run. Ah, uh, it's uh, uh, it's I think it's a three hundred yard sprint, and there's a Illinois agility test where you set up cones and okay yeah you lay in a prone position and you run across these cones and you just you, you run down and you run back. Ah, uh, there's a a fulcrum. Bench press. Uh, where okay. you, uh, yeah, you're, you do a bench press was on a poker machine, so it's not actually a flat bench with with a straight bar.
0: Mm, okay.
1: So you do a bench press, and it's a, there's a percentage of your weight that you have to lift, and uh I believe it was crunches and I believe push-ups. Okay. But it it wasn't uh, as challenging as you know you would think it would be if you're in decent shape or moderate shape you wouldn't have any problems
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so you do your pft and then uh, uh, you have to get a passport a tourist passport and that can take some time Mm -hmm. Uh, if you don't have a passport so it might take up to a year just depends uh, from the time you apply to the time you get it um and then you get your visas so if you're deploying to Iraq or Afghanistan, wherever country you're deploying, you have to get, um, you have to submit your passport to the State Department in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Visas that takes another three months, and once that's done, um, uh, they invite you for their uh, their training, which is supposed to be a vetting course. But uh, but by, by the time I went, it wasn't so much a vetting course; it was more of a more of a, a training.
0: The um. The uh the 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 PFT, the health screenings, was that was that just sort of organized by them but local to you yeah. or or did you have to go to some facility to no. some...
1: it's organized by them um and they they actually uh whatever facility that they select in your your within your area. Okay. Um but yeah, you don't have to fly out to another state or anything to to complete it. So they'll they'll organize it, they'll pay for it. Uh, and they'll set your appointment up for you.
0: So, you when, so when you, uh, so when you got invited for this uh, assessment, which ended up being sort of like a, a tryout, more or less, uh, or a screener, um, was that at that that was at some facility? Where where did that take place?
1: That was in Moyak. Okay. It was in Moyak, North Carolina, um, in Blackwater location. Right. Yeah. Um, prior to that, um, Triple Canopy had their uh, their vetting courses in, uh, I think it was Zachary, Louisiana.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And that's where they previously held it. And they got bought out by a company called Constellus. Mm-hmm. So um, they moved. So Blackwater was no longer Blackwater. It was called, they had a bunch of names, but it ended up being a they canopy. Did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. A Z Services for a little
1: while. Yeah. And then. Whatever it was after that, but then ended up becoming an Academy, right? And then Triple Academy and Cameroon were under this corporation called Constellis, which there's right. a bunch of companies that are actually under this huge corporation. So they they had the the training over in Moya, North Carolina, and back back in the early days, uh, it was an actual vetting course. So you show up, if you can't do it, you're out. And they had a very high attrition rate mm. at the time, so um, which they still kind of do, um, at least when I went through. I mean, there, there were guys that couldn't pass the CQB part, mm. um, a lot of safety violations. The guys who can't, I, I think, the biggest killer was the uh, weapons fall. Mm. Um, you have a lot of guys who are in the infantry that have no experience in uh, um, pistols, and right. um, yeah, you have to fall with the Glock 19, which is. <clears throat> not very easy. If you're not familiar with pistols, Glock 19s are very hard to manipulate. So there's a lot of failures from that. And it which kind of blew my mind. Um, if you're going to get involved in this kind of program, you at least go to a range or something, get proficient, right? Right. And guys are growing up and they just don't know how to, they just can't shoot.
0: Um, yeah, that so. does seem strange. You, you'd think someone would take, or I mean, Were you aware? Let's ask this question. Were you aware of what you would be assessed on prior to showing up?
1: Yes. Uh,
0: So then there's no excuse. mm -hmm. Like you're going to see pistol qual on there. It's like you didn't think to go brush up, you know? Google is a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah, Google's a wonderful thing. You can just Google things and it will show up and you can get an idea of how the the program is going to be like. Right. So, um, if, if people need, if people have no idea and you show up to a program you have no idea what's going to be like them um, I, mean, I guess it's on you
0: I mean i I love the infantry I came from the infantry as well you did We both know that there are definitely there are many different groups but in terms of like how how people approach problems they're definitely they absolutely a, a group of infantrymen who just show up and you know don't don't think ahead don't prepare ahead. And uh... yeah,
1: um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got guys like that. Um, they're, they're not like how your, your experience in the ranger community where everyone is just squared away. Right. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do. They take initiative. If they don't know what they have to do, they take initiative to make sure they they can accomplish the mission. And right. what do you Expect, um, with, with guys like that, um, yeah, guys that show up there are out of shape. They were just couldn't make the mile and a half run. So it it blew my mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, and good for the course though helps you. I mean, it's a little bit of a waste of their time. It's not it a lot, a it's, a, it's, it's a lot of a of the of a waste of everyone's time, but um, yeah. but having at least having those events helps to 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 thin out thin out the herd, identify folks who who do go the extra extra mile. So you got the... You got the pistol qual, right? C- you mentioned CQB. CQB is interesting to me because, um, you know, it is... Maybe it's less so now. I don't know, because I've been out of the game for so long. But um, it did seem very, like, unit-dependent. Even maybe even, like, like team and squad. Maybe platoon, we'll say. Platoon. Maybe, like, it, could, it, w- it would standardize a little bit at the platoon level. But there were CQB... Be- Th- th- as far as I remember, there are so many points for for people to come up with their own little things. You know, you know. Well, we do it. Th- you know, we squeeze here. We don't squeeze there. We do this. We don't do that. So I'm I- I'm interested. So the CQB was. What were they looking for there? Was it just like, was it just like taking taking safe shots? Like what what do you think they were looking for in that? Yeah. Time?
1: So their CQB was very rudimentary. Okay. It was, you know, see if you can actually go into a threshold. What would you do? Guy like button hooks left, where you're gonna button right, mm-hmm. you know. You just want to see if you have that very basic knowledge of um, room clearing. Okay. Um there so it wasn't really advanced. Um and they were just looking for uh uh if you were safe. If you're not pointing your muzzle beyond the guy's head, if you're not sweeping the guy's head with your muzzle. -hmm. Muzzle discipline. If you're engaging a target, if you're actually, you know, not looking away, there was one guy that was actually looking away and communicating with the guy behind him while he was shooting. (laughs) The no look,
0: the no look shot.
1: Whoa! So (laughs) they got rid of him very. (laughs) They got him quick. So
0: I gotta know. I gotta ask. You don't have to say. What unit was this guy from? Do you remember?
1: I have no idea. He was—I uh, hate to say—he was an army guy, but he was eleven Bravo. But um, there were uh, it wasn't live rounds; it was sim rounds.
0: Okay, I mean that's yeah. Yeah, those still yeah. hurt. I mean, and if yeah, especially if your your mu- that dude's muzzles pointed at someone else's back or the back of their neck—that's not fun. Yeah, that's, that's messed up.
1: So they're looking for stuff like that, you know. Okay, Basically, if you're if you're safe. So they're not really teaching you uh, advanced um, techniques. It's mm-hmm. not like support, you know. It's not like going to Sephardic or
0: anything like Something that. Something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then in terms of like, in terms of this, in terms of like the the pace, it it wasn't like a. I gotta imagine it wasn't like a mad dash through. It was kind of like methodical. No. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was very methodical. Okay. Um, I wasn't say by the numbers, but I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I can imagine that's a, I, I. when you said CQB and we talked about it before, but I just, there's obviously so many areas where someone who's unprepared can just really mess up in there. So, okay. And you've, you've, you've called out all the things I would have been worried about. So it's got a, it's got a CQB portion. Um, anything. Yeah, about...
1: like yeah. The CQPR is like three days or something like that.
0: Oh, three days. Really? Okay. So that's yeah. pretty, okay anything like um was it anything like under nods or, or low light conditions iterations like yeah. that or it was just like it was just just seeing the basics over and over and over again
1: so the driving part not the cqv part no um okay. so the driving part was uh low light low visibility conditions um where you had to use uh nods okay which i thought was kind of difficult man
0: um i well i was about to say i've never driven under i've driven like gmvs but it's like you know in a line it's a patrol in a line i've never done like defensive driving or anything like that
1: yeah the defense so their defensive driving portion was pretty legit i really love that portion and it was it's nothing new to me but i thought they did a really good job of that um so you have uh your introductory to you know defensive driving uh they teach you the the dynamics of vehicles and how they move how they uh are affected with speed and turns mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they get you on the road so moac has a oh, it's a, a huge track that's right. uh built by the department of transportation i guess where it's approved by the department of transportation so it goes into this like figure eight almost and so uh, i don't know it's a pretty pretty wide track long track and they, mm-hmm. they teach you on that and they you go on a crown dick and you do, you learn how to do maneuvers first in the crown deck, uh, evasive maneuvers, emergency maneuvers. Then you get into your, uh, apartment Suburbans. You learn how to drive those. Um, there's a Bearcat portion. So a Bearcat's like a, it's like an MRAP, right? It's an armed personnel vehicle that SWAT team uses. Mm-hmm. You learn how to drive those. Um, but there's a day portion and that, that one was like about a week, I guess. Mm more or less. And, uh, there was a night portion where you have to drive a night completely black with nods on. Yep. And I thought that was challenging enough.
0: Were you, what year was this? Oh, about- this was in
1: 20 around 2014. Yeah. 2014. 2014. So
0: w- did everyone have like the binocular nods by then? Or is that what you guys were driving with?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, 30 thirty ones.
0: 30, okay. All right um and and at this point so the driving portion it sounds like you're getting more into instruction is this kind of after that screening screening phase or is this kind of all wrapped in together
1: yeah so that's after the screening phase but the whole the whole portion of the training program is a one giant interview basically
0: Mm. yeah so if you didn't do what if you didn't if you couldn't pull it off the driving then you weren't going to get hired on basically no yeah yeah. Were you getting were you getting paid at this point yet? Yeah,
1: you were getting paid. Not as much as if you went down range, but you were getting uh you gaining decent pay.
0: Okay. Okay, interesting. Um well, so we'll we'll wrap up this episode here. We'll we'll pick it back up right where we left off. Um but um yeah, I was gonna say that uh that it's interesting. It's it's I'm interested to hear what else, what else they introduce you to, and then where where that experience really comes out to play, right? So, um, you've driven before, you would you would have had a leg up on that. When it gets down to the actual like dignitary protection, I'm gonna in the next episode we'll pick up. That's where we'll start off, and we'll see um, if uh, if that was an area where where you might lose folks if they had hadn't had that kind of experience, like. Maybe if they'd come from the Ranger Regiment, but they hadn't done PSD, which is probably very likely for someone who came from Ranger Regiment. I wonder if that's something they could have picked up. Um, but we'll we'll start with that in the next episode. So appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.
1: See you, soon.